Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am with Khan from Zalat Pizza once again, and we're talking about investing or investments in your pizzeria, how to raise money, and how Zalat Pizza is raising money to grow. They're doing it in a unique way. They're kind of crowdfunding in the the newer sense of the word, in leveraging their customers in smaller donation amounts to grow an investment fund to open more locations. It's a really fascinating business model that I think a lot of people can listen to, get some inspiration from, and maybe go do on their own. Hashtag not financial advice. I am not a financial advisor. Don't take this as financial advice. Just this is something to think about in your own business. Go talk to your own professionals inside of your own ecosystem to see if it's the right opportunity for you. But I want to bring you people who are doing cool stuff in the pizza community. And Khan from Zalat Pizza definitely is. And not only is his business model great because it's a small menu, small footprints with delivery and takeout and high profitability. And we talk about that inside of this podcast, but also growth. So many locations, almost 30 plus locations now in a seven or eight years. And now they're raising capital and they're doing it in a unique way. So I think this is going to be great for people out there who are looking to grow their business. And I've talked to a lot of people lately who have thought about taking on partners or investment partners, and this may be a different way to go about that. Thank you to Baccio Cheese, by the way, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. If you're like me and you love cheese and you love making great pizza with a great product, you got to check out Baccio Cheese. If you go over to my social media profiles on Facebook, I've posted a lot about the pizza I make at home. So whether you're a home baker or a pizza professional and you own a business, Baccio Cheese is my go-to cheese that I suggest for everybody. So BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. Request a sample. They'll send you some. It's a very great product, high-quality product that I recommend you try out. So if you are looking to grow your business and you want to make a better product, Baccio Cheese is the place to get started. BaccioCheese.com forward slash SPM. And also Mike's Hot Honey. Hot Honey is a trend right now and I'm on the Mike's Hot Honey trend, and you don't just need it for your pizza. You can do it in cocktails. You can do it on wings. You can do it on sandwiches. There's so many ways that you can leverage Mike's Hot Honey to increase the price point for your pizza or for your sandwiches, but also just put a little spin on it without having to add a whole bunch of products to your menu. Mike'sHotHoney.com. Request a sample. They'll send you some. You can try it out, experiment it. They also have a ton of recipes on their website, and their social media is great. If you're looking for inspiration and ideas, follow Mike's Hot Honey on Instagram. You won't regret it. I promise you. Again, Mike'sHotHoney.com. Hit the request a sample button. They'll send you some. Tell them you heard about them on the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Before we get into the episode here, I did toy around a few years back about starting a new magazine for our SPM podcast. SPM Magazine, we called it. I even did like a the first issue back in 2020, I believe. And then we ditched it because we're like, you know what, who listens to magazines anymore or watches or reads magazines anymore? And we just thought that maybe that was a trend that was going away. But I've toyed about with the idea of bringing it back. We need a magazine. Now that PMQ has been sold to a big corporation, both magazines are owned by big corporations and they're very stuck in their ways and they don't take on new people. Both magazines are great. One is better than the others. Like PMQ to me, as a company, was a better company that was more open to bring in people than Pizza Today is. Pizza Today is just very closed off. They don't like new contributors. They don't have new people, even though people have told me they do have speakers that are new at the Pizza Expo. They don't. It's the same people all the time. So it gets really old. 
Not saying that the people that speak there or the people that write for Pizza Today magazine aren't doing a great job. They are, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. So we almost need new voices. And we need people who are open to new ideas. And I'm that person. I love to bring people on this podcast, talk about new things. People who haven't spoken before, bring them on the podcast, talk about their businesses, talk about pizza, and share that with you. So I've thought about relaunching a digital version of SPM, the magazine, in 2024. I need to let, before I do that, though, and put that investment out there, I need to know if you would read that. Reach out to me on Instagram and let me know if that's a good idea. Or I did a post over on our Facebook page. Go leave a comment over there. Smart Pizza Marketing on Facebook as well as Instagram. Both posts are up. Go leave a comment. Should I do SPM, the magazine, in 2024? Let me know. All right, let's get into the podcast. Thank you so much. See you on the other side. Okay, I'm excited for this episode of the podcast. Khan from Zalat Pizza, also known as Morpheus, as you can see there in his call sign, uh, joining me on the podcast. Hey, how's it going, man? Thank you so much for doing this. Hey, Bruce. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. This is exciting. So you have a lot going on. We talked, I think yours is one of the most popular episodes that I've done in the last couple of years. Yeah, a lot of people were excited about you guys. You know, we talked in your story about how you got started. You didn't actually start the pizza business, then you opened one. You actually started to kind of give Uber Eats the idea for delivery through third party un- unwillingly and unknowingly, and we talked about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're up to a new thing now, and mm-hmm. give us a little update about what you guys have been up to the last couple of years and uh, what this new uh, kind of investing opportunity for folks is. Not financial advice, by the way. Sure. Uh, not financial advice and the SEC would always want us to say hey uh, you know always be prepared when you're investing in in ventures especially early ventures that you're only putting up money that you uh, are okay with potentially losing right so right as right. with any business uh, you know the, the 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 hope is for greatness and lots of returns for shareholders but there's always, you know the the potential uh, of uh, of things going wrong and and that your investment could uh, could be lost. So right, uh, that's we'll, correct. We'll, we'll say that up front. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple of things uh, going on that's that's uh, super exciting. Uh, one is on the investment side, uh, which is uh, we have a an ongoing uh, fundraising round that's uh, going on on. It's the number one. Uh, start, it's called StartEngine.com. Uh, it's uh, an SEC-approved platform that uh, uh, that does uh, investments in private companies, uh, basically. So I think they've they're over maybe a billion and a half uh, dollars raised uh, for wow. uh, various private companies, you know, uh, different ventures. I think uh, their 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 top uh, fundraiser. I think they've raised like uh, over seventy-five million dollars. Uh, for a couple of folks, right? So it's a it's becoming a very real uh, avenue of uh, of fundraising for uh, for private companies, right? So uh, for us, it just kind of makes sense. The the you know crowdfunding has a a little bit of an early stigma to it, right? Uh, and uh, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll talk about it like this. So I don't know if we talked about it last time, but you know in my meandering uh, career path because of my uh, ADD. Uh, the, <laughs> we did talk about that. <laughs> right. So I was at one point a corporate and securities attorney uh, back in, you know, the, uh, the, the early 90s. Uh, but when I first got out of law school, there were uh, these, uh, the, the popular thing at the time were roll-ups. 
where uh, they would, uh, you know, roll up an industry and then take a a dead company. So if you if you were in a, like an SEC and say you were on the New York Stock Exchange and you died, but you, you kept your listing alive. Yeah. So the the legal infrastructure was there. And then uh, somebody who wanted to go public without going through all of the uh, pain of it would just buy this shell and then they would become an instant public company. Uh, and it was kind of looked down upon at the time as like, you just don't do that, right? And then like five years ago, these SPACs that we all hear about, right? So these public shells that go out and buy other companies and then, you know, yeah. and they, they're huge, right? So they're still, they're, they're still pretty big right now, but all of these SPACs, that, they were doing that in the in the 90s, and everybody like thought that was a terrible thing to do. But now they're they're popular. So anyway, so crowdfunding, I kind of view the same way. Is you know it's it's still very early in the process, and a lot of companies that can afford to raise or have the wherewithal to raise money from uh, accredited investors or private equity firms usually don't choose to go this route, uh, and it's kind of seen as as hey. Uh, if you can't figure out in any other way to raise money, then you try to do crowdfunding. Uh, right. But for for us, we just looked at it. And we which would like, be like, which would be like, um, there's websites for that. And I talked about it a few podcasts early on, a couple years ago, where people who would like maybe someone would have like a wood fired trailer and they wanted to open up brick and mortar and they would do like, I don't know what the websites are called. I forget the names of them, but they would say, all right, hey, I want to raise fifty thousand right. dollars to open my first brick and mortar. Donate right. money today. <laughs> right. Uh, so like Kickstarter and and and, Kickstarter, and those things, yeah. right? Yep. So it's it's you know it's it's a, a few years down the, the way now. Other companies are, are are getting in. I think a lot of tech companies, early tech companies, uh, have gotten in and 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 funded uh, their growth this way. For us, this was this this had a, a couple of aspects to it, right? It's kind of on on brand for us in terms of hey you know we, we don't want to just have shareholders who have lots of money go in invest in the company and then have you know uh, the, the the normal growth uh, trajectory where uh, I hate to put it this way but you know the rich get richer right uh, this yeah. is <laughs> this is how it's done uh, and you know because of the stock market crash in I'm jumping around a little bit here but in the 1930s right the SEC was put into place to make sure that people just didn't lose you know their entire life savings betting on risky things and so it's heavily regulated on what people can uh, uh, what private companies people can invest in and basically the line is if you're an accredited investor basically you're rich right so you've got a million dollars in assets or if you're making over a certain amount of money I think it's about three hundred thousand dollars a year right so uh, then the SEC says you're sophisticated enough to be able to invest in private companies otherwise you have to wait until so somebody goes public uh, to be able to invest in them but you know what the result of that is is for a regular person so you know we've got you know our customer base uh, we have a lot of service industry customers, right? Uh, we've always, yeah. uh, they've always loved us. And so we're talking about servers, cooks, and, uh, you know, bartenders, uh, they're, 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 they're uh, you know, it's going to be rare that somebody has a, a million dollar net worth, right? Right. <laughs> Who's in the service industry. And so, you know, for us, we just looked at it and we said, Hey, uh, uh, all of our uh, employees have stock options in the company because we want to share the wealth, right? We really think that we can grow a business and still, you know, treat the employees as part of uh, the group that, 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 that deserves to share in the wealth that they create 
to help us create. So, you know, that's that's been our mission for, for years now. And so naturally, when we started, you know, thinking about all the different pathways, uh, we've been very successful in raising money uh, to, 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 to fund our growth, right? So it takes a lot of money to grow a company into a national uh, venture, as you know, right? Being in the space, right? right? Say, so, you know, if it costs a million dollars to build a restaurant, a hundred restaurants is a hundred million dollars, right? So minimum, it's 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 going to take a long time for a restaurant to be able to produce enough money to right. to fund a hundred million dollars, right? That's why you always have these private equity groups come in. If you've got a good model, then they'll write, you know, a $300 million check. Uh, and then you're on the clock, you know, five years from now, you better be public. They're going to pull out their billion dollars and everything becomes about the money. Right. And, you know, which is fine. Right? I'm, a, I'm a huge capitalist. But, uh, you know, our mission, we're trying to, to, to keep faith with, hey, we want to make the, the best takeout pizza in the universe is our kind of primary mission Two, customers for life three sharing the wealth with our frontline employees right so that would you know going down the normal path that everybody else takes right hey let's go out and get some uh private equity group in here write a big check and blow it out uh it it all becomes about how fast you can go how how quickly you can grow your stores and this is why everybody ends up in mediocrity right because your, your mission is no longer about your food. Your mission is no longer about the customer service. It's no longer, well, it never is about take care of your people. But so it is. It's about your it, quarterly earnings, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's really, you know, as a private venture, if you take somebody's $300 million, you are on the clock, right? So, right. hey, how quickly can I triple this or quadruple this uh, and get out and put it in the next venture, right? So, and that's why, you know, we have a lot of folks who, you know, at our, in corporate, especially in our GMs, they've worked at all the different restaurant groups and they've yeah. been through the, the churn of being sold from one private equity group to another. And, uh, you know, all the uh, kind of horror stories about how it's, it's always all about the money. And then that's why you start cutting costs on the product, cutting costs on, you know, all of it. And, and as long as you can keep selling, right, you're going to get it down to a minimum. And that's why I think everybody ends up in uh, undesired mediocrity. And so yeah, yeah we, we've, we've raised, uh, uh, I think we've raised, uh, let's see, at this point, about $10.5 million uh, from, wow. uh, uh, from our, uh, you know, existing angel investors uh, who believe in, in the mission and have supported us uh, along the way. Uh, so we've been very successful in terms of being able to raise the money that we need. And we don't need that much. I think we talked about it before, right? Just because we want to be so careful about our mission uh, that, you know, our development costs are so much lower than most folks, right? So if you look at, you know, construction costs and you know, you know, the business really well, right? So even the chains who've been doing this for years and years, uh, you step into one of the national chains as a franchisee, uh, it's still going to cost you... 350, 400,000, 600,000, sometimes a million dollars, right? A million dollars is not <clears throat> an uncommon price tag for a build out for a lot of restaurant groups, including the ones in the pizza space, right? right? So, you know, especially some of these newer groups that are coming along and they're moving pretty fast. And, you know, somebody wrote them a $300 million check and they're going quick. So they're not watching the bottom line in terms of how, how much things cost. Uh, for us, we're all about the mission, so every dollar counts because every dollar that we can save means that we have more towards our mission of sharing the wealth with the employees. I like that. Yeah. You know who? You know who's a really good example of doing it the way you just described, but in 
not the best way. Chipotle. So Chipotle yeah. started off as um, uh, just a he wanted to kind of give people a great experience, help his employees. He had I think he had like ten or thirteen locations on his own, and then he grew, he got to this point where he couldn't grow anymore on his own. So McDonald's made a huge investment, and now you look at Chipotle and people are always complaining about like how it how it used to be. It used right. to be you get good big portions. It used to be really clean in the stores and the employees were happy. And now because of that huge investment, it's just like what you just said. A huge company comes in, invests yeah. money. He yeah. needs to give that money back, so he needs to cut costs. He needs to do all these things that took yeah. away from the initial start of how Chipotle really started. Yeah, I've, I've studied a lot of the, the the restaurant groups in terms of their growth and their trajectory and, and what happened, yeah. right? So the price tag is usually between 300 and, you know, say you look at uh, uh, Sweet Green that just went out last year. Uh, the, the, the amount of money that it takes to get to an IPO is astronomical, right? So it's, wow. uh, uh, and Chipotle took McDonald's 360 million, I think this was yeah. 2008 or something like that, right? It was a long and, time ago, yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, the, the, the current groups, a lot of them are over half a billion dollars in terms of investment money that, that they take to, to kind of blow themselves out to, 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 to go fast. But I believe the last time I looked at Chipotle was in the 900,000s in terms of average build out cost, right? So yeah. $900,000, that's a lot of money. So for us, you know, we were at 31 units. I don't know where we were at when we spoke the last time, but I think we opened about three more uh, since we talked last. So we're at 31 units. We just opened one in West Chase in Houston uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but our average unit cost, construction and uh, equipment is one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, and that's just for like a rented space, like a leased space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you know that's we're we're in the range of what like a subway is, right? <laughs> in yeah. terms of what what our unit costs are, uh, just because we have focused so much on uh, the whole business model, right? So we are and kind of here's the cool part about it is. We are 100% about the quality and taste of our pizza, and if if you know uh, if we need to spend money on it uh, for the, the, the for the product, we will spend it. So I think I don't know if I I said this before in the, on the podcast, but one of our famous things that people always you know uh, uh, stop and and, and uh, are surprised at is is uh, this number that we tell people. And we check it all the time, and it's the case. Uh, we pay more for our cheese than we do for rent, right? So <laughs> that's <laughs> so, crazy. So if you look at our P and L, right, it would be higher on our P and L. Just one product, right? Our cheese always hovers around uh, close to seven, eight percent of our P and L is just cheese. Uh, and and that's because you know we just tasted all of them and wherever we end up with our cheese it's the best uh, and so it's it's incredibly expensive but you know we're about making an incredible pizza and so we're not gonna uh, not spend when it comes to the product but outside of that if it's not about our pizza or take care of our employees we do we spend no money on so our entire budget for each store in terms of the interior decoration of our store, right? We're 100% we're takeout and delivery, so no dine-in. 70% uh, yeah. uh, just because, you know, we, 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 we kind of, we're at the start of the, uh, uh, the, the delivery industry, right? So 70% uh, of our business is over the third-party delivery platforms. 
So that's Uber, DoorDash, and those guys. So our customers don't even come to our store. The majority of them, they have no idea where we're at. So why would <laughs> we spend any money on decorating the store? So our entire budget for decorating each store is a hundred and fifteen dollars, I believe. It's just this one. It's <laughs> That's just it? this. What is yeah. what, so? There's nothing really in there. Just well, there's wallpaper the, or paint. The, the, yes. So we painted, but the, our decoration is this one poster that we put up. Okay. And I and I actually do need to take a look at why it costs $115 for this poster. So we're gonna get that number down. Uh, but it's a sign that says the definition of what a zealot is. So you know I've got it on my shirt here. So yeah. this this is our mission. We're fanatical about what we do. So we put up you know the, the definition of what a zealot is. We're fanatical about our pizzas. And that's it. That's the entirety of our decor. We don't refresh. We don't go and make over. Uh, so our stores are just there so that we can have a pizza line and make the uh, best takeout pizzas in the universe. So we've kept the, the, the development costs extremely tight uh, so that we only have to raise so much money. So therefore, you know, you know, we were looking at in terms of fundraising, we thought, hey, let's uh, let's do something pretty cool. Uh, and for us, it was, hey, let's let's uh, let's think about letting our customers uh, in on the action. Right. They've been so supportive of our entire mission and they've been so loyal this whole time. And I thought, hey, uh, what a better way to you know, there's not a better way to, to get a loyal uh, customer bought in for a lifetime than just having them own part of the company too, right? I know, so, I saw, so, so I, I was on, that, the reason I, the reason I, this caught my attention is I think I saw, I mean, I obviously follow you guys on Facebook and I think you did a post about it and I was like, wow, that's a really great idea. Let me kind of look into that a little bit. Cause people ask me all the time. I think the number one thing that independent restaurant owners and maybe they're not at, they're definitely not at the level you're at when it comes to like the number of locations, but funding, right? Like either they yeah. take on a partner that has money um, because they want to expand, they have a good menu, they have a good customer base. But like you said, that after that initial investment into your first pizzeria, it takes a long time to recoup that money and then have enough money to open another one. Right. So people always ask me like, how do I find partners or how do I raise money? And crowdfunding is always a way to go. But I don't know. I feel like crowdfunding in those those Kickstarter ones are great for like small amounts of money. But when you right. get into like, how does it work when it comes to like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand in making sure that everybody gets their money back. It's just seems like a lot of logistics that would be kind of sketchy if you're looking to really grow a business to start that way. Um, but you guys did a post on your Facebook page and yeah. I saw this and I was like looking at it and um, I'm going to share this right now on the screen sure. so you can kind of go through so people can kind of see if you want to go over to our YouTube channel, you can kind of see this as we talk about it. And I'm sure you'll describe like the overview, but it gives you all the information, like how much you can invest yeah, um, the logistics of it's, the business, how much money you make per store, all that stuff. It's very tightly regulated. That's why you know we wanted to do on a, on a platform that's approved by the SEC. So yeah. this is basically a mini public offering, right? Uh, so we're not public; it's still private, but all of the uh, uh, the rules and regulations. So it's it falls under a a, a, a new rule that they rolled out. Probably, I forget exactly when, but uh, about eight years ago, I believe. Uh, so it's Regulation CF, right? It's for crowdfunding. So you have to file with the SEC like you would if you were a public company. Uh, there are a lot of requirements in terms of, you know, it's just like, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the requirements that, that you have for, for 
for for going into an IPO. So heavily regulated. So we went through that whole process of, of filing with the SEC. And 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 how long did that take you? A while. Uh, so I'd say the whole process probably took us uh, four or five months. Uh, wow. Uh, if not six months, right? So yeah, it, it, there's a lot to it, right? Uh, and I think a, more, a little bit more difficult for us just because uh, we're a, an ongoing venture, right? Uh, a real business instead of just somebody's idea of, hey, I'm going to uh, come up with this, you know, novel new tech thing that, that, that I want to, you know, produce and manufacture, which is a lot of crowdfunding and Kickstarter, but for, for an existing business, right, that's been around. So we've been around for eight years. Uh, you know, it showed kind of our revenues there. Uh, so I think we've to date, we're probably, yeah, we're definitely closing in on about $80 million in terms of, of cumulative sales over the wow. years. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, a, a, a there's, there, there were a lot of numbers and a lot of things to put into the SEC's documents just because, you know, we're already in a, an existing ongoing business. So, you know, but so, what, us, so this says, this one says, sorry, to interrupt you. This yeah. says 2022, 22 million. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, as of the end. So you guys are averaging what? If you have 31 locations, you're probably averaging what? 750 to 900,000 per location? Yeah. So the way, yeah. Uh, so, you know, as as a growing company, right, you got to kind of look at it, uh, uh, even the public ones, right? So they usually report their numbers uh, in, in a couple of ways, uh, which is mature stores, right? So about uh, 18 months. So this is cumulative. But uh, our average for mature stores after 18 months, giving them a time to ramp up, I think we're at about 1.1 million. It's in the documents. So, you know, the SEC requires us to talk about the last full year. So that's why you've got 22 22 members instead of 2023 numbers. That's Uh, great, though. 1.1 for just takeout and delivery. I mean, that's great. Those are great numbers. Yeah, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we've got stores that do over uh, $2 million uh, and uh, <laughs> so no alcohol or beer and wine or anything, right? Nothing. We barely so have just any, pizza. We, we barely have any appetizers, right? So we've got like, yeah, I think we talked two, about that last time. Yeah, we've got a couple appetizers. They're small pizzas uh, that we cut up <laughs> and make appetizers. And then uh, for dessert, uh, we have sliced cakes that that come from the cake boss that we buy. So basically, you know, to focus on producing a best of class pizza, uh, our plan was pizza only, right? Anything else that's not pizza, we don't want to spend any time because that diverts your attention from quality control. Smart though. Yeah, so, you know, we don't even do, uh, you know, where most restaurant chains make their money is in the sodas, right? So it costs you pennies to do a fountain soda and then you sell it for a couple of bucks. That's where your profit margin is. Uh, but we're kind of, we're so fanatical about our quality control or our quality focus that we won't we won't even do that. So our sodas are our cans because we can just reach into the cooler and put a can in a bag or a slice of cake in a bag. Uh, uh, so we're basically 100% just making pizzas. That's why wow. you know, that's how we're able to keep uh, our quality so high. But anyway, you know, back to the, the 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 crowdfunding piece. I think we've got about 19 days left, and our our thought there was, hey, this would be a, a an awesome uh, thank you to our loyal customers and uh, customers who, you know, per the SEC's prior rules, would never have a chance to invest in a company early like this, right? 
uh, early stage because you know if you if you take a look at how most companies work right so they take the big hundreds of millions of dollars uh, they grow and then they get listed in an IPO and then they go out uh, you're not going to get a chance as a regular person to buy into their IPO right I mean that's right. all tied up with right all the banks and you know commitments and this and that and so by the time you actually get a chance to buy into it is like a week or two later and it's already had its pop, right? And, and you know, when something is at $40 or $50 after the IPO and you buy in, right, it usually drops a little bit after that. And it takes years for them to recover, right? And it's basically, they do everything they can to have a massive IPO so that their private equity guys can exit as high as possible, right? So they gave you 300, they wanna go out at a billion or, you know, or more. And then the rest of the time, the company is sitting there you know, after they exit, trying to recover from that massive growth that it took to have that explosive IPO. And then the rest of the time, it's like, how do you match that growth curve that you had? And you've eaten so much of the landscape uh, getting it to the IPO. But now, you know, you're an existing company that's got to live for another 10, 20 years on the stock market. Right. You know, how are you going to keep that up? So that's, you know, we're trying to, to, to chart a different path if we can. Uh, is you know the the stock market re, uh, uh, rewards future growth potential, right? So if you're not having somebody to trying to exit from three hundred million dollar investment as high as possible, I think it's possible to control your growth uh, and get to an IPO and still have you know the majority of your market as your runway and that you can still keep growing. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of all parts and pieces of, of how we're trying to do it on the, uh, on the funding side and the growth side. Let me ask you a question mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. So usually when you're like an angel investor or an investor, it's like 20 or $25,000 is usually like the minimum. What's the minimum to invest in this? So our, uh, prior minimum, uh, that we had, uh, for the investors that came in before us, uh, was a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, so our minimum for uh, to invest in Zalot through the crowdfunding piece is $247.20. So, <laughs> so anybody can do it. <laughs> right. So, you know, they were actually, you know, the, the, the start engine folks were pushing us towards $500. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, the whole idea is to make this affordable to our customers, right? And so uh, I wanted to push that down. Actually, uh, I should probably, uh, if I had my brothers, I would have pushed that down even lower. Uh, yeah. And, so, so, so folks and why the, and why, excuse me if this is an, a stupid question, but I don't know the answer. Why only a certain amount of time that it's open for? Is it just that's what you guys decided to do or is that something that the SEC says? Uh, that, that's kind of usually standard for uh, what uh, the, the start engine does. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we didn't, you know, uh, it takes time to, 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 to do these things and we didn't want to be in uh, funding mode all the time. Right. Because, you know, you're, you're actually under a lot of obligations from the ACC of what you can talk about, you know, just like I'm not able to, 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 to in this conversation because we have an ongoing funding round that's under the SEC's rules. I can't talk about future projections or what we really want to do or what we expect, you know, in terms of later on IPO or anything like that. Right. So uh, they want it. They want folks to be uh, to, 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 to not be overly hyped up about uh, future potential. Uh, since we've got undercredited investors investing, you know, they always want to be 
uh, doom and gloom, uh, just because that's a possibility, right? Uh, that, yeah. That, that, is that while it's open? Once it's closed, you can talk about that. But like while the funding is right, open, right, right. Yeah. So after uh, afterwards, then you know, then we're back to regular private company business, which means you know, right, we right. Can, we can say whatever we'd like. So that's probably why that's the, the reason for the time frame, because it's like yeah. you know, when you're in growth, when you're in funding mode, you always got to be careful. Someone's always kind of looking over your shoulder, and you don't want to, you want to be able to yeah. like, all right, that's done. Let's move forward. Let's get to what we want to do now. Right. Yep. Yep. So actually, uh, since you're on the page, uh, if you will uh, uh, hit on press updates right there, uh, the so we uh, we do updates uh, right there. So we just I, we just put up one uh, yesterday, uh, and this is the uh, the other uh, this is the other exciting thing that we've been working on. So we put out an update on it. Uh, and we have made the, the decision uh, recently uh, to uh, start franchising our model. And, oh, nice. Yeah. And previously, and you know, uh, I don't want to read through all of that, but basically we're such a high touch item uh, in terms of how we produced our, our pizzas. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the having a best of class product. Uh, means you know you're 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 having to handhold this pizza to make sure that it's got you know all of the uh, flavors developed right it's 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 uh, to, to to be considered as one of the top meals of any cuisine in any city it's usually solo restaurants where the chef is hovering over every meal that comes out right right and I think we spoke about this before for us to be able to replicate that and mass produce that right it's just, it's an incredible amount of effort right to to, to have uh, you know we're, we're we're right now our pace is uh, about 1.5 million pizzas a year plus and growing wow. right so that's 1.5 million pizzas made uh, at a level where everybody considers it one of the top pizzas in in, in every city that we're in. Uh, and so it was, it, you know, it, it, it involved an incredible amount of work. So we always uh, told ourselves that we would not think about franchising until we figured out a way how to replicate this much more easily uh, so that, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about quality control uh, if we started franchising. And, and so that's why, you know, at 31 units, we're all company owned, right? Wow. So a lot of people start franchising at about three units, four units. You know they've got a good model. It's it's much easier to franchise, right, than to try to build all these things out on your own. Plus, you know, if it's a million dollars to build out a store, that's a million dollars that is uh, put out by the franchisee and not by the franchisor. So, uh, and they're actually paying in, right, as they buy right. the, the franchise units from you. So, it, that's why almost everybody grows through franchising. But, you know, we didn't want to avail ourselves of that and risk uh, the 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 the, the uh, in terms of the, our quality, uh, but we just made the announcement that hey, uh, we we we've had a, uh, a pilot store uh, over the last eight months. Uh, one of our suburban stores here in uh, in Dallas Fort Worth. Uh, we took that and kind of rebuilt it, relayed the you know uh, uh, redesigned the the layout of the line. We've got a lot of software in there. We have a lot of equipment changes and. You know, basically, we call it Zalot 2.0, uh, a much, much more efficient uh, model. Uh, and so it's running much lower labor percentages than all of our other stores. Uh, it's running 
the highest profit in the whole company. Uh, wow. And what percentage uh, are you? Can you say? Uh, <laughs> it's high. It's it's close to thirty. Uh, so wow. yeah. Uh, so but on top of that, uh, it is it also has the highest customer ratings for pizza quality and the highest customer service ratings in the company. And this is the one you this this story yeah. you guys own or is this yeah, a franchise? No, we own it. No, no, no. So we don't. So this is going to be like the model for franchisees yeah. to buy into. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are like ecstatic at the results of this thing. Sales started going up. We weren't expecting sales to go up. Uh, you know, because we were just making it more efficient. Uh, but what'd you change? Like, what made it? What made it more efficient? We 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 have software that we've built that 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 controls flow. Uh, in, uh, in in incoming traffic at the store. So basically, you know how uh, everybody uh, has, you know, with the pandemic and everybody jumping into the three PDs, right? They, they needed a way to kind of throttle and stop the three PD uh, uh, volume from coming yeah. in so fast at the rushes, right? Especially for pizza, right? When people want pizza, right, right. they want pizza, right? So everybody right. orders at the same time. And so you've got just massive volume. And, you know, for, for us, we saw right away, we're like, hey, man, the labor involved with trying to predict what your traffic is going to be, and you have to put the labor there because if you're not ready for it, you're going to lose those customers, right? Because it's a disaster right. in terms of quality and, uh, and timing and everything. So we built a piece of software that uh, takes in all of the sales channels uh, into one spot and then controls the uh, expected uh, wait times uh, across the board and uh, and automatically adjusts as uh, as we go along. So meaning uh, if I've got a store that has five cooks working, right, there's a maximum speed that those five cooks can handle, right? Uh, and, and that speed is automatically controlled by our software system. So if, if they've got 10 uh, pizzas, it's a certain wait time. If it goes to 12, if it goes to 15, uh, automatically, get, automatically, right? So if yeah. they get if they get 50 pizzas, which often happens, right? Yeah. Uh, during during our peak times, they've they're backed up 50 pizzas. If those guys are showing up, like the Uber drivers, the DoorDash drivers, the customers are showing up in 15 minutes, when you got 50 50 uh, pizzas backed up, you, that store is going under, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the yeah, you're in the business. You know the stress yeah. level that comes. Oh yeah, I have a couple of memes about it on my on my Instagram <laughs> right, account. Right, when people just we, staring at you, waiting yeah, after they show yeah, up. Yeah, like pizza's not ready. thirty people. Stay, uh, so <laughs> when, you know, when we first opened, I was actually on the line for the first, you know, for the first store, and I've been there, right? Fifty people standing there staring at your line, right? Just yeah, with you're just sweating bullets, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then quality goes out the window because you're just trying to get these pizzas out, right? So yeah, that what we found in working with our system is when uh, when the expected time matches what you tell them, even if it's 60 minutes, 70 minutes, they show up and they've got a hot pizza ready to go. Everything yeah. is smooth. Everything flows and your pizza quality is astronomical and service that's, is that's great. A, that's unbelievable because, you, you know, all the POS systems give you like a wait time, but it's 
something that you as the operator or manager have to go in and adjust accordingly. Otherwise right. it'll just be like the and, set 25 minutes. Right. And when you're getting your ass kicked, there's no way that somebody's <laughs> going to no. go in, right? Hey, go on your system and figure out. And or if it's I, slow, right. And it's right. only going to be 10 minutes and it says 25 and the pizza sitting there for 15 minutes and then they complain about a cold right. pizza. And so like most places have a throttler, right? So they'll throttle. Most software systems will throttle, meaning you go in and set one time, Hey, it, it, and it's lots of steps, right, to get to set. So people just don't mess with it. But they'll say, all right, for every 15 minutes, I can take five orders, or every 15 minutes, I can take $500 worth of orders, right? But when it reaches that, they stop you and they say, well, you can't order that right now, right? You can't order it immediately. Choose a time, right? So you go in and you yeah, gotta yeah. go, okay, now it's, okay, I gotta choose eight o'clock and whatever. So to me, I've, 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 uh, like most of the country, I've, I've recently become a Netflix uh, F1 fan because uh, I started watching that thing uh, during the pandemic. But I, I, I kind of liken it to a, uh, uh, an F1 race car, right? So if, you know, it, uh, if you're in a straightaway, you could do 220 miles an hour, right? If you hit the turns, it's 150 or a really sharp turn, you might be down to 60 miles an hour. What you're doing when you're setting your throttling, if you don't set anything, you're running off the course, right? So if you're yeah, doing 220 right. and a 60, you're crashing, and that's when basically you're in the weeds and your your, your, your employees are just getting killed, right? right. Uh, so you have to put in throttling, but if you put in throttling, you're going to set it at the slowest corner. So you're going to set it at 60 miles an hour when your car can go 220, right? So every time it that goes past 60, you're, you're going to say, nope, can't go past 60, so you got to choose another time. You are automatically losing sales because you're not letting people just order. So right. uh, our, our system, uh, what it does is uh, it, uh, it knows how fast your car can run at every corner. So 220, full blast, 220, right? We're taking maximum volume because, you know, our fastest store – uh, you know, they can, uh, I think our record is, uh, 1200 pizzas, uh, in a in day, a, in a day. Okay. Wow. <laughs> right. And so this is all, so that's, know, and that yeah. how many hours is that? How many hours? No, is no. That so we're open for a long hour. So that's 11 AM to, to, uh, 4 AM. Right. But even uh, so I've done 500 pizzas on a busy Friday night and that's yeah. still from like five to eight, yeah. your oven's just back to back. Yeah. 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 So, so I can only imagine. Yeah, since we go to four, we get a second kick, right? Yeah. Uh, but the the but but you know that's so you know at at the the three hour you know the three hours between say five and eight you know four thirty and seven thirty massive volume right and then we get another kick at midnight to about three a.m. Yeah. we have massive volume again and in those times being able to just automatically flow so if you see our ticket times it'll just go from fifteen minutes and then twenty five. 35, 45, and oftentimes we'll go to like 70 minutes uh, wait time. But what we found was our customers kept on buying. They just like, they'll even say that on our reviews. They're like, hey, you know, when it gets busy, you guys take longer, but that's okay. I just get on an order earlier, right? So, Do you have like a bump screen or anything on inside the stores? Yeah, yeah, all of them. Uh, so what point of sale system do you use? We use Toast. Uh, okay. Yep. So yeah, we've got, we've got a KDS. Uh, so we will, you know, anything that goes towards making a better pizza, uh, systems, we'll, we'll we'll spend on that. So you got to use if if you're a busy store like yourself, you got to leverage technology because otherwise you just have a thousand tickets lined up and you're like, oh my god, this is chaotic. When you have something, so we used to have a system too where it could be a 50 minute 
pizza wait time, but it, we wouldn't even see it on our screen until it was like the the sixth or seventh order that we needed to make. So it would just pop onto our screen and be like, oh man, this has already been here for 50 minutes, but we didn't oh, make yeah. it yet. So it wasn't like it was sitting around. Yeah. So what we tell our guys is, hey, just because you've got a hundred pizzas backed up, don't stress about it, right? Because yeah. those people aren't showing up for another, you know, hour and 10 minutes. Right. You got plenty of time. Take your time. Just work at your regular pace and it'll match, right? That's great. That well, That's a proprietary software that you guys have built in-house? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, nice. I'm you sure know, gonna, that, yeah, that's part of it. I was going to say, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of call, emails and calls about that <laughs> right now after this one. Right. So – what, you know, the, the cool part about it is, uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the calls about uh, uh, investments and, and the business side of it. So, you know, coming new to the industry, right, just, you know, having to work on the line all those years uh, at the start of my, my fun restaurant and also at the start of this restaurant, uh, I'm always looking for efficiencies. And so when you get your ass kicked on the line yeah. at, at 3 a.m., you got, you know, 70 people waiting, right? You kind of look for efficiencies. Uh, and I've always known, I'm like, hey, if we can just get the flow controlled to where they're not showing up before they're supposed to show up, uh, it would make things so much smoother. But the other part of it is, you know, we're always as an industry staffing for the rushes, right? So basically yeah. the whole, you know, given the, the margins in the business, right? Your, your, your little graph that you have, right? So five to 8 PM, you go from like no business to just massive business, right? And so how do you layer in your bodies, right? To account for that three hour span. Nobody's just going to come to work for three hours, right? So right. you got to carry that labor and you can cut, but really, you know, in a tight labor market, you kind of got to carry them for the entire shift. And that means that for just that three hour block, you're carrying all these extra bodies and that's eating up so much of your profitability, right? And so, because you're never able to just match exactly your, right. your sales curve with your labor curve, right? And so, you know, your labor is like this while you just needed them for maybe 90 minutes, right? So for us, what our system allows us to do is really uh, you know, uh, allows us to staff for, uh, 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 the, for profitability basically, and not staff for the rushes because no matter how busy it gets, right. It just kicks out the ticket times and it's not, you're not crushing your staff with right. volume they can't handle because they can handle an unlimited amount of volume. It's really just how many sales do we want to lose? Because at 90 minutes, you're going to definitely lose some people. Right. Right. Yeah. But if they know they're going to get a good product that, you know, a lot of them will wait uh, for uh, or they're just order earlier. Right. So, yeah. Or if like you just transparent about it. Right. Like mm -hmm. if you like you said, if you're just transparent right. with the customer, I think that what happens is when they get angry is when you tell them 30 minutes and it's an hour. Mm -hmm. But if you tell them an hour and it's an hour right. and their pizza is right. good, then yep. their expectations were met. Actually, occasionally we'll have a, a review where they kind of get that. Like they'll, they'll just say, so they were really, really busy, but they weren't stressed and my pizzas were really good. Yeah, uh, that's great. But there were only three people in the store. Uh, and so we're like, yeah, that's it, right? So yeah. we don't, we, we, we're not carrying six people just for – you know, 60 minutes of, of high volume, we're carrying three and our ticket times just go up and then they, they yeah. and then they come back down as soon as the volume starts decreasing.
This is amazing. This is a great conversation. Thank you so much for doing this. Sure. Where can um, where so if, they, if people want to go check it out, if they're listening to this podcast and they have so they want to go like look into this, where should they go to kind of go get some information? I know Start Engine. Right. Is that the website or should they yeah. go to your website? No, it's it's on Start Engine. If they go to startengine.com uh, slash Zalat Pizza or if they go in the search bar, uh, they can search for Zalat, Z-A-L-A-T, pizza. And the entirety of, you know, kind of the the the, uh, the overview of the business and the investment. So it's a, it's a minimum of under $250 and uh, you're buying shares in the company. And what do they get out of it? Like, what, what what do the customer get out of it just other than saying they are an investor in Zalot? Well, uh, they, they are an investor in Zalot and they actually own, you know, uh, shares in the company. So that's permanent, right? And we are a growing venture. You're supporting a, a super cool mission here. Uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, our, uh, as we continue to grow and, and uh, become more valuable. So, you know, for folks who are not that sophisticated in terms of investing, right, it's, it's uh, the ownership of a company. Uh, I kind of uh, liken it to a, a pie, right? You're, so you're buying your piece of the pie. And as that pie, as the company becomes more and more valuable, uh, you know, uh, basically the company makes more money each year. Uh, the valuations of that company, what that company is worth grows, right? So at, you know, a company at one unit at, you know, X number of millions of dollars a year is worth, you know, a multiple of that. So uh, I'll give you a, for instance, um, you know, on the stock market, if you, you know, these are easy numbers if you want to look them up. but uh if you look at dominoes for instance right dominoes usually trades at about three to four times uh its sales so if it makes a billion dollars then what it, the, the valuation of the company it's worth four billion dollars right and you just okay. divide that by the number of shares to, uh, to derive at you know what the, the the cost per share is but if you know and they're so you know they're so huge the the chance of them growing you know, uh, by a huge uh, amount is limited because just because, you know, they're dominant. But the key of getting into a company that, say, for us, we're at 31 stores, right? So you multiply our sales by, say, Domino's multiple or at the top of the market right now, I think the highest is Wingstop. So Wingstop often trades at... Wingstop. Yeah, Wingstop often trades at like 15, 12 to 15 times sales, right? Wow. So, right. So if if they if they have a store that's worth a million dollars, right, or making a million dollars a year, that store is worth 15 million if they're at a 15 multiple, right? So it's that's just crazy. That's yeah, just a huge valuation. Chipotle does really well. Obviously, McDonald's does very well in terms of their valuations, yeah. but uh, you know that's just a multiple of your sales. So the more sales you have, basically. You know, as you grow as a company and build more and more stores, you're going to increase your revenues, thereby increasing the multiple of what the company is worth. Right. So, you know, just just offhand. Right. So if you get to a point where you're in uh, Papa John's range. Right. So Papa John's has thirty five hundred stores in the U.S., I believe. Uh, And then, uh, you know, if you look at like a Domino's. Uh, worldwide, I believe Pizza Hut and Domino's, they're in, I know they're both over 10,000 stores, right? Yeah, they have a so, lot. So, 
yeah, so 10,000 stores, if it's if each store, just use rough numbers, each store is worth a million dollars or makes a million dollars a year, right? You're at 3x times that, right? So you're at 10,000 times a million times three, right? Uh, and then that's the, 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 the massive valuation. All these companies are worth billions and billions of dollars, right? And and that's the, that's how you grow a company. So if you own a share and you bought it at a certain price, right? Uh, you know, if you look up Chipotle, right? Chipotle uh, is usually trading between $1,600 a share and $2,000 a share. Uh, I, you know, I can I can look it up. It's it's a CMG. I'm a share right now. I got it on my screen here. Yeah. Okay. So CMG uh, yep. is trading. What are they at today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Should have bought when it was $1,600 a couple months ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So $2,300 a share. Right. So if say, for instance, if you buy into a company at five dollars a share. Right. So you had, you own one share of Chipotle at five dollars. You bought it at five dollars. You're going to sell that share for twenty three hundred and five dollars. Right. So what you're getting right. back is twenty three hundred dollars per share. So, you know, the, the the investing in a company early that may grow and become something like a Chipotle in the long term. Right. That's potentially uh, very, very lucrative if, you know, all of those things happen. Right. Uh, then right. again, if, you know, if you invest in early, plan. yeah, right. If you invest in early, things may not go according to plan and you could lose all yeah. of it. Right. But the not the, financial the, advice, hashtag right. not financial advice. <laughs> and, you know, the definitely only invest in what you can uh, afford to lose. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to keep that buy in low for the folks who, who want to invest in us is, hey, <clears throat> it's a cool mission. It's a cool company. Yeah. It'd be cool to own a part of it, but you're not putting so much at stake. Right. If if it's possible that we may end up uh, in the stratosphere later, fantastic, right? You've got uh, a windfall. Uh, but you know, if we, we so for some reason don't make it, you know, you, you know, you, you had two hundred forty-seven dollars at stake, right? So uh, right. that's kind of why we wanted to keep the minimum uh, as low as possible. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I appreciate you coming on and doing this and sharing this information. Uh, we'll link up everything. Your website. We'll link up to Start Engine if anybody wants to go take a look or invest in that. Again, not financial advice, not telling you to invest, just kind of yeah. sharing some information about how to do it and what goes along with that. So, Con, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Don't hang up yet, but I appreciate you joining me. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. All right. That was a ton of information in a short period of time. Thank you, Con, for joining me on the podcast. Hopefully, you got something out of that. We'll link everything up, his investment page, the website. All that over at smartpizzamarketing.com. So if you're listening to this and you're multitasking, which you probably are, don't worry. When you're done, easily go to smartpizzamarketing.com. It'll be on there. The blog post will be there with the video, the audio, and then everything that we talked about inside of this episode will be linked up there. Again, smartpizzamarketing.com. You can go follow them. They are at Zalat Pizza on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for hanging out with me here today. Very much appreciate you doing that. Give me a review on iTunes or Spotify if you would be so kind. That would be great. Appreciate that. And now let me know again about the SPM magazine. Should I bring it back in 2024? Let me know on Facebook or Instagram. Hit me up. Thank you so much. See you next week.